You're listening to Those Movie Dudes Presents Collector's Corner, the podcast show where we do a deep dive into our own physical media collections. On this week's episode, we watched a Blu-ray release of the film A History of Violence from director David Cronenberg. So, I've heard through the grapevine that you just made a pretty big physical media purchase this past week. I don't know. Would you consider it big? Uh, expensive. Yeah, I mean, yeah. If it's, it's buying yeah. more than one seven ninety seven film, I consider it huge. I don't know if I've ever spent that much money on movies before at once. So and I've done it twice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So within two box sets, I have 50 plus movies all on Blu-ray. And that's like $360 just right there. It's still shit. pretty good, though. I've spent a lot of money say. on movies, but I like to spread it out so I don't feel so bad about myself. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't mind movie. buying big boxes like this because it kind of, it's almost the exact opposite of what John said. He likes to spread his out. I like to just get all my movies at once. That way I don't have to go buy them again. I'm a big micro-purchase guy. To watch. <laughs> And that's it's a good investment because I love watching movies. So every time I purchase this, oh, and by the way, I purchased the Essential Fellini set. I don't know if I ever actually got to it, but yeah, the Criterion Essential Fellini set, fourteen films all on Blu-ray, um, eight and a half Armacord, La Dolce Vita, uh, Knights of Cabiria, Juliet and the Spirit. It's a bunch of classic italian films that john's probably never heard of can we i well i did watch surgeon quiverly and we watched a couple fellini films right we've seen a few mm -hmm. um, armacord and and the, the cinema wait. one uh was oh that? no that wasn't oh, we did watch no. la strada uh no cinema paradiso is not oh, fellini so unfortunately much. but Thank that you. is a good very, very good movie i think we should recreate searching for fellini but nate stars in it but it's but searching it's for Tarkovsky, and I'm just yeah. not in the mood to search for him. But you guys are forcing me to. <laughs> just not I'm a Nate, come fan. on. Can't even get you out of bed. I don't even like God. his movies. <laughs> I, I have Stalker in the background. I just have earplugs in. I'm just like, stop. Nate, we have to go to Russia. I don't want to. <laughs> Can I just go find Edgar Wright instead? Can we just search for Bobby He's probably Fisher, in London. Please. Come on. John, you look like you're ready to get physical. Are you ready to get physical? Well, I'm not wearing a shirt, so I'm definitely ready to get physical. I'm wearing a shirt. Okay, for one, I can... Pr uh, you are. <laughs> Let's get physical. Welcome to episode five, right? Five, five. Yeah, episode five. I don't know. I'm a, I'm a fucking train wreck. But yeah, episode five of those movie dudes presents Collector's Corner, where we do a deep dive each week into our own physical media collections, and we choose a film that we deem worthy to talk about. Um, we're coming off my week, and now I'm gonna throw it over to 
Mr. Lil Ducky himself, Spencer, to introduce week five's film. Yeah, so the cycle has come back around, and I went with kind of a random, unorthodox pick. It's a movie that I'd only seen once, and it was in one of those triple feature Blu-ray cases that you can get, like a Best Buy, where they have like drama packs, comedy packs, you know, all those kind of fun essentials. And there was three pretty big dramas. There was True Romance, American History X, and the one that we are going to talk about in this episode, A History of Violence, the David Cronenberg film. It is interesting, but I had only seen it once. It was a couple of years ago, and I remember really liking it, but I definitely wanted to revisit it. I didn't really remember the movie like all that well. I can't remember like the, the big twist that happens, but I wanted to kind of revisit it and i didn't think that you guys had seen it i guess nate had but john hadn't Mm -hmm. um so i wanted to get your guys thoughts as well uh so yeah that's why i picked a history of violence to revisit on collector's corner just closing up fellas coffee i'm sorry we're we're closed oh i know that i do know that Ah! shut up we don't carry much cash here A very unorthodox film, I would say, from David Cronenberg, because he's not as much... I, he's usually known for his body horror work, famous in the 70s, 80s, even the 90s. Um, but he did come out with some gems that were probably less based on the grit. Like, I know, Spencer, you've seen The Dead Zone, right? Correct. Or yeah, Dead Zone. Christopher Walken. Yeah. That one is... isn't really body horror. That's one. That one's more kind of a drama with like a sci-fi kind of twist just because i remember yeah. christopher walken has like telekinesis things it's what? i mean it's a very much a stephen king <laughs> uh story yeah but it's not very cronenberg body horror than from what i can remember is it uh a... do, do you know how he got telekinesis <laughs> is it his I think same it's a car accident <laughs> oh, to be okay tell me it's his same character from click though uh i saw uh, a history of violence back in college funny enough spencer created like the original hundred movie watch list for me and yeah, it was like, the these are a hundred movies that you need to watch before you die or else I'm going to kill you. And he said this via like a cipher, like the Zodiac did. I watched it the first time and I actually really enjoyed it. Um, but I was still kind of naive to Cronenberg. Like I'd seen Videodrome and I think I'd seen The Fly, but this was definitely a different, it was different seeing this from him, but I enjoyed it nonetheless, even though it did have little spurts of cronenberg special effects very graphic a couple of times where i i I forgot some of the shots that happened i was surprised how gory it actually was but i enjoyed it and uh i'm excited to talk about it this time see see if i liked it anymore and yeah john you had never seen this nor had you seen pretty much any david cronenberg's movies before besides the brood which you didn't really remember it seemed like (laughs) yeah you had Um, to remind me it was kind of a boring movie to be honest Uh, it's one of my least favorites yeah. yeah, I gotta revisit it. I just, I just wasn't too big on it. Um, but that was an episode one... that I edited, so I'm sorry, everybody. Oh, very nice. Well, it's still <laughs> up on uh, those movie dudes YouTube channel if you want to go listen. Yeah, to it. you can go dislike it. I already have. So, what about uh, your thoughts, huh? Your, uh, what did you think? Yeah. So, you know, uh, yeah. David Cronenberg. I'm not quite a Cronen nerd or anything like you guys. <laughs> oh, here we go. Um, I'm muting but, myself. And I, here's the thing: I want an Instagram. That's not even a hashtag. I made that up. Probably. I maybe there's a. I'm sure there's a lot of people that use it, and they just don't openly say it because they don't want to be ridiculed. Um, but here I am. I'd never seen a David Cronenberg film. 
but this one seems a little bit different. It's uh, kind of like a redemption story with Viggo Mortensen with some blood and guts and um, quite the transformation with his character. But um, I really didn't know what I was getting into. And once that diner scene happens, I'm like, okay, all right, this is fucking insane. Um, Viggo Mortensen's a closet badass, and uh, I'm going to go from here. But very impressed with this movie. I think that it kind of just doesn't beat around the bush. It gets right into it, and you have kind of a hell of a time with it. So yeah, I enjoyed uh- it. So the movie is essentially, it's following Viggo Mortensen, who is just kind of an average guy for the most part. He runs a diner, but he has a very average family. It's thrust into the spotlight after the father commits a seemingly self-defense murder at his diner. Uh, But then some other characters kind of start visiting the diner. They think they might recognize him from somewhere else. They can't quite place it, but, you know, they got the wrong guy. Yes. But the movie's so much more than that. And it's so interesting that Cronenberg was the one to direct this because from uh, his past, he's very much known for the body horror. And he admitted in a kind of behind-the-scenes documentary that I got to watch on the Blu-ray of this, he was like, I usually like uh, taking strange characters and then bringing the audience like along the way, whether they like it or not. With this one, he introduced us to very normal characters and then slowly revealed the strange characteristics as the movie went on. So he kind of did the opposite of what he's normally like known for, while also paying homage to what he loves, and that is blood and guts and gore. And taking the story that's very, like, you know, an average story, the average family, it's like a suburban town, like, this is your neighborhood. And then throwing, like, shocking graphic violence there, it's so much more impactful than it was in, like, The Fly or The Brood or something like that. It's, like, it's so much more, like, ugh, this is gross. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, and for for a long time, I, for, I forgot about what happens so i it was almost like experiencing again for the first time because i I noticed little things that now seeing it a second time really makes sense there was something that they talked about the whole time with like him being so good at being able to kill like when he did off those two guys it was just quick and easy but the first time i watched that i did i i didn't pick up on it i was just like oh it's this guy trying to defend himself sure and then you find out later on why, but something like that never hinted to me. And that's why I think this movie has a pretty good twist. I think going into it blind, you wouldn't expect anything like that. You'd be kind of curious, but until you see it play out, it was quite a surprise. And Viggo Mortensen's awesome. For me, I don't want to sound like a really smart film goer, but we do watch a lot of movies and given the title, I was like, he's clearly has a past and like after that initial scene, I'm like, all right, there's definitely something going on here. Maybe I, I didn't assume right away. Okay. It's like this John wick lifestyle or anything. Um, but I definitely had an inclination that there was something going on, especially with how he was able to brutalize these guys in a matter of like 20 seconds. You know what now I mean? that you say that it does it does very much feel like a very reserved small john wick in some yeah, sense. yeah like, like a very mundane uh, version like he works at a diner like, yeah and <laughs> that know? he knows how to eliminate a person with his bare hands like yeah I just the fact that he worked like at the very end when he goes to that mansion he doesn't have anything oh, on it no weapons because he doesn't need it and he knows it like, no. that's what i love about it it's just like he's just I can take you on. Like I'll. He's yeah. almost like a sleeper spy. Skull. Yeah. He just wakes up and he's like, "Oh, I can just do all it's... this." And then when the family kind of witnesses it, they're like, "Yeah, it's one oh, of those God. characters that you would love to go back and see a film about, like how he escaped it." You know what I mean? Where, like, yeah, how he got away and stuff like that. You know, or just leave it up to interpretation. But like, the idea is certainly there. You could definitely explore that if if you wanted to. 
So that would right. be very cool. <laughs> and a huge kudos to Vigo Mortensen as well. Just he's it's a very like quiet performance, but he brings such like so much layers to it, which is so impressive because once he is able to kind of become Joey in certain scenes, he is not Tom Stahl. Like he is not the character we've seen in the movie. <laughs> he is a completely different person. Like his accent changes, like it comes back to him. And it's like, oh my god, he literally is a different person. It, it, it was yeah. so interesting mm-hmm. uh, the way he was able to kind of bring that while still being very, very subtle in his performance. Uh, that's, that's why I really think Viggo Mortensen is like one of the best actors we have today. I'd say he's very selective in his work, but he's gonna win an Oscar. Like he he's very underrated. He yeah. was he was nominated for Cats and Fantastic, and I was like, what? Because yep. I hadn't seen that film. It was kind of an under the radar movie, but like he certainly does get recognized when he does give a performance that's worth talking about. Um, so Green you know, Book. I, I de- yeah, he was. Oh yeah, Green, Green Book. Book. Yeah. That oh was man, he was fantastic and he's in that. In another yeah. film that came out two years after this one, another uh, film that Cronenberg directed called Eastern Promises. It's actually it's kind of mm-hmm. another kind of mob type movie in uh, somewhere in Europe, but it's another fantastic movie that kind of is like this, where it's like it's quiet and graphic and weird, but like tatted up and shirtless in that one. <laughs> but every other character in this movie, I felt was just unnecessary. Did, did that like did anyone else feel that way like the whole son storyline with his shitty bully so okay. just like so right there absolutely that, that is 100 percent my nitpick of this movie is the scenes with his son i don't feel like it's necessary i understand why they did it because it's like it's his offspring like he's gonna have mm-hmm. violent tendencies he might lash out yeah. at a bully randomly sporadically like so like out of character but is so violent for some reason like he literally beat the shit out of that bully and i get that's kind of why they wanted to do it to show that like oh yeah like Viggo Mortensen is really this badass guy and his offspring could you know might do this as well mm-hmm. but it, it that... did drag the movie down at an already like quick movie 96 minutes those scenes definitely, I don't think they need, were needed. That is exactly yeah. why they did that. And I knew that when these scenes were happening, I'm like, all right, they need right. to make this kid out to be this kind of, you know, pathetic, you know, version of of Tom. And this bully was so cookie cutter. Like, he literally yeah. got mad at him because he caught a baseball in gym class. I was like, are you fucking kidding <laughs> oh, me right now? This is so He so stared stupid. him down and he yeah. was like, I'm going to kill your entire family like like Imagine. ancestor line. Like he was uh, he so also, mad and it wasn't even a legit game. It was just gym class. Yeah, it wasn't even a ba- it wasn't even a real baseball game. Like are you It was Jesus. I'm pretty sure they were like... playing slow pitch softball. <laughs> yeah exactly yeah, no, seriously. i did like how the son uh initially verbally took him down i thought that was brilliant i'm like okay, i wish i could think as fast as that like that was quick too. And, and good and, and the lighting yeah. in that scene too was like immaculate i was like what the, in the what locker the room is... yeah like there's like, like yeah. golden yellow and like i was just like what is going on here regardless um yes i do i do agree that the son subplot wasn't quite necessary but the other characters like maria bello i think is phenomenal as the wife i thought she was great uh even um william hurt who comes in in the last 10 minutes and gets a best supporting actor nomination just because of how. what he's able to bring <laughs> to the character like exactly like you think it's just it's just william hurt kind of put on like a little accent and like having some like strut but like apparently he really tried to figure out like who this person is give him a backstory that like we don't know about that he knows and so he was able to bring that to the performance, and it was pretty brilliant and quite was hilarious, kind of funny. Too. Yeah, I was going to say, it's like yeah. he, he brought like a comedic element to a very vicious scene at the end of the film. I don't know yeah. what was 
uh who else was in contention that year but you i really gave it to him i don't know like it was it was good but like you didn't give it to ed harris instead I don't, if you're gonna give it to anybody in the film for supporting actor or i'd give it to ed even harris maria bello or, yeah, yeah exactly. maria bello was and, and that's the thing she another, was great another thing with this movie is like these characters have so many different transitional points uh obviously with vega mortensen's but her as well she's this housewife that's very um kind of oblivious to what's going on and then she's she turns into this kind of different version of himself or of Vigo Mortensen where she's just trying to protect her family so it was a uh, a lot of interesting characters in this film that that yeah. was actually what I was trying to figure out on this rewatch because obviously I knew what was going on with Vigo Mortensen's character but I couldn't remember if the wife was in on it the whole time and so that <laughs> scene finally yep. in the hospital when Vigo was shot and the wife came in and was like Okay, you got to tell me. Tell me the truth. Pukes. Yeah, uh, I was like, oh my god, she doesn't know. Okay, so this is different now because uh, initially it was kind of hinted at that she might be aware and it's like okay and it was fine with it. Um, but no, she really didn't know, and I think they gave her a lot more to do, especially with her performance. Because um, I mean that scene like on the stairs and what follows, holy mm-hmm. shit! <laughs> some of the special effects in some of the kills were kind of gross like when he shoots that guy in the head right at the beginning and you just see like his cheek hanging off and his he's like breathing but like shaking i'm like that's like one of the most realistic headshots like of course your head's not gonna be perfectly round afterwards you're gonna be screwed mutilated and cronenberg's only one that can do that and like jamming like that your nose bone like into your skull that was another scene and stomping on a dude's throat twisting the foot like oh my god it's so gross and violent and shocking but like this is what cronenberg does like with especially like, with, with a story like this it works. reminds me that of is... brawl in cell block 99 oh absolutely with how like just sure. physically graphic it was and the yeah, sound yeah. effects for it was just disturbing but for a movie with this title, I feel like you really want to show where this guy's come from. You got to show these graphic scenes, and that's that's something that Cronenberg does best. So yeah, I think he he kind of was the perfect director uh, for this storyline. And I did see that he didn't even read the graphic novel. Or he didn't even know it was a graphic novel when he was adapting it, I believe, right. until afterwards. Huh. And he was like, you know what? I'm just gonna go with what I had. And it was somebody else that wrote the script. Um and i think david Cronenberg just read the script and liked the story and then it was okay. after he was like oh that's a graphic novel i'm not gonna read it because i just this is already developed into its own thing um so that's right. what he did and i think it's the movie actually started off really cool with that opening sequence you just like you're introduced to these two guys and you don't know oh man yeah how they're gonna tie in but then they go so dark with it and you're just not expecting what these guys are going to do and how they they come up later in the movie meeting Viggo Mortensen. But Cronenberg just, he was almost like a different director did it. I could have watched this and not known the name and been like, oh, who did that? And I would be surprised it was Cronenberg. But the violence definitely is very much him. And yeah. he, he just, he knew how to do it. And he was able to tell a compelling family story too. So it was kind of cool. And that was another interesting aspect to the uh, behind-the-scenes stuff on the Blu-ray is they included a scene. It's called The Unmaking of Scene 44, and it was a scene that they completely shot, put a lot of work into, especially special effects-wise, uh, practically as well. Uh, it's a scene that involves Viggo Mortensen and Ed Harris. It, it's a dream sequence, 
it's a scene where Viggo Mortensen's at the at his diner and he has that double barrel shotgun. Ed mm-hmm. Harris is sitting across and he's just kind of like making fun of him. And then Viggo Mortensen shoots Ed Harris right in the chest, point blank, and like he flies back across the entire room. And then like the camera kind of dollies in on him as he's laying like kind of sunken into the floor with his rib cages exposed and like Jesus. Uh, uh, smoke is <laughs> like, coming awesome. out of his stomach. And then uh, he slowly like lifts his head up. He's laughing, points the gun at Vigo and shoots. And that was supposed to be the dream sequence. Uh, Vigo like wakes up in bed and kind of scared, but they cut it out of the movie completely because David Cronenberg thought it was too much of an homage to his body horror films. He really wanted to stick with the real, the realness, the, the gritty rawness of like, this could happen to like your neighbor type thing um so it was he thought about it he wanted to do it but at the end of the day he's like it just doesn't work for what i'm trying to do here so i I respect it but yeah it's cool i think it still could have worked like yeah people could argue that yeah it's cronenberg that he's gonna he wants to throw that in the movie but also with vegan morton's character he has this dangerous past and that is something that he could theoretically kind of dream about and dream of doing or dreaming of happening so Sure, I think that that definitely could have worked regardless. Cronin nerds yeah. would have loved it. Cronin nerds sure. would have been. And I think all that's what he show. was worried about. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, it's exactly. nice to yeah. know though that Cronenberg is able to identify the fact that he's basically he basically started or was a big contributor to the body I horror know. genre and that he's able to identify that and be like, "No, I'm not going to let everyday tropes that I do in my movies just like to find me so he's able to tell a different type of story while still sprinkling in classic Cronenberg throughout and it was really nice it was refreshing watching it the second time because I kind of forgot about everything I forgot and then the minute Ed Harris says oh, I'll take a cup of coffee Joey I'm like oh yeah mm-hmm. and then my light bulb went off I was like why does he keep calling him fucking Joey I was so confused I'm like what is he a kangaroo Hey, Joey. Can I get some pie, Joey? The History of Violence is definitely one of those ones that you wouldn't expect from this guy, but they had the right people to do it. And Maria Bello was perfect as his wife. And everything in the final sequence that just, there was no words, just glances. And you could see the acceptance, but not quite the forgiveness. Like, they weren't quite ready to forgive. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, So... Yeah, I actually, so I watched this movie for the second time, and then it ended, and then because it was early, I was like, all right, you know what, I'm going to scroll back a couple of scenes, I'm just going to scene search a little bit, with the director commentary on, just, you know, I'll revisit some scenes and see what he had to say about it, and that ending scene is where he actually, like, had a lot to say, just because he's like, that was probably the most emotionally charged set I've ever been a part of, like, the entire day, like, no one really spoke, you could just Mm -hmm. feel the energy in the room, that's just because of the performer's in the room, Vigo, Mirabella, the son, and even the daughter, I guess. But uh, yeah, and there's no dialogue, but yet just on their faces, you can see like maybe there is still hope that they could be a family again, despite what's happened. Uh, yeah. And he's really yeah. gone to great lengths to try to make that possible. I mean, literally by taking out any person that has referenced Joey to him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, and he did no. single-handedly. And that's the other thing, too, <laughs> that I completely did not know, or if I watched it, because uh, I'm stupid, I guess, but if I turn on the director's commentary, after he kills the entire people in the mansion, he goes down to the lake and, like, washes himself, like, in the uh, the lake and stuff. I'm always like, why do characters do that in movies? But it's because he's trying to wash the sins of what he just committed and try to throw the life thing. of Joey back away because he had just brought him back and now he's trying to kill him again. So, like, that's the purpose. But I'm like, that little scene just went over my head when I just watched it 10 minutes ago. But I'm like, now there's, there's just so much more depth to it. So, 
Good for David Cronenberg. What if he yeah, was true. a germaphobe the whole movie, and instead of just like killing people with his bare hands, he had like a hazmat suit on the entire time, and he was basically played by Howie Mandel? <laughs> what, so, other than the commentary, what else was there for special features for those of you that might want to go pick this movie up? Physical media, like what yeah. is there to desire? One that was kind of fun. It was an eight-minute little featurette of David Cronenberg bringing this film to the uh, Cannes Film Festival, like all the way from like testing out the projection room and seeing it, make sure like the the lighting and the sound was gonna work before they showed it, they screened it. All of his nerves going into it. Apparently, he had to do like forty interviews like in one day, just talking about the movie constantly. Like it seemed like a grueling process, and so that was kind of cool to kind of see him and the cast's time at Cannes and how the audience responded to the movie. A uh, thirty-minute making of behind the scenes of just Cronenberg playing around with the different special effects of the body horror. So it's just, it's kind of fun if you are interested in seeing like what it's like to be on set and how Cronenberg might be as a director. He seems like he is a blast to work with. Uh, it seems like he is very interested in what anybody has to say just from the video that you got to see. So that was kind of cool. Um, yeah, yeah I, I did watch that 30, 35 minute featurette and I and I did think it was really cool to kind of break down how Cronenberg works on set because he doesn't really storyboard or anything. He kind of just shows up and he's like, I think we're going to go with this. And he does like a walkthrough with the actors he's like, oh, this could yeah. work. That could work. Works with the DOP kind of side by side. And I thought that was interesting because like a lot of the time I'm like, all right, I'll make a storyboard. But then you show up and you're like. Let's just fucking wing it, man. I don't know. So but it uh, changes, yeah. Especially yeah. once you get to the environment and you're seeing like what you have to work with. It's like, okay, I can't get like a ton of gear and five people right here. Like we got to completely reblock the scene. So it's interesting. Yeah. It's an interesting tactic that he does that. I think that would scare the shit out of most people showing yeah, up. Yeah, that would stress a, a lot of people out. Absolutely, no story. No, like, especially, especially the DP. It's like my director doesn't even know what the blocking is. Like we got to shoot in like two <laughs> minutes. Like come on. Yeah. But uh, it seems like he's he's always figured it out. I mean, Same when they had the uh, iconic the, director. The, uh, the set design people have to build a bathroom last minute. They're like, uh, yeah. So what's the actress's name again? Whoever uh, Maria Bella. She's like, yeah, Maria Bella. She came up with this great idea. She wants to kind of run out this door and throw up in the bathroom, and they're just like uh that's where our sound guy needs to be uh <laughs> yeah, fuck. exactly okay yeah. we'll throw some walls together and make it happen shit <laughs> but anyway yeah fun. having having a director like cronenberg behind this one who's got such a good track record like it, it was nice to see something a little different refreshing while still kind of going and tying into the cronenberg of old and uh bringing this one in because it was what 2005 you said 2005, so. yeah, and it got two Oscar nominations, uh, Best Adapted Screenplay, and I looked up the writer. It doesn't seem like he had done anything else since that, um, mm -hmm. which is a bummer because the script is very solid. And then, obviously, Best Supporting Actor, William Hart, which is a little controversial. But Maria Bella did film. get a Golden Globe nomination, so I'm glad that she did okay. get some recognition because she was fantastic in the movie. But so. none for Vigo. That's kind of sad because I think he's... Yeah. The been before everyone's movie. like... Because in, also in the director commentary, the the guy who plays the kid is like, oh, man, it was like so crazy to be on set with Ed Harris. I'm like, what about Vigo, man? What the fuck? Dude? Yeah. Like side by side with Vigo, <laughs> like most of the movie. And he didn't even mention that. I'm like, oh, all right. Yeah. So. Yeah. Oh, my God. Ed Harris. That's like me running on set and being like, oh, my God, it's Maria Bello. <laughs> my <laughs> God. <laughs> No, nah, but no, she was great, and it was cool seeing her before Prisoners, because I think that's really the only other thing that I've seen her in. Oh, yeah. Um, she's good at playing that mom character. Yeah, yeah she was the, the mom. Nah, I think older. she was originally in ER back in the day. It was either ER or General Hospital, where she got her, like, oh, start. ER but, was ER. Yeah, yeah. yeah she, was, she was great in this, and just seeing 
her emotion, like being able to like look up at Vigo across the table and just have that one tear where you're just like, she's so broken, but she's trying to make it work. And like the daughter giving him the plate and the son handing him the meatloaf. It's like, oh, such a warm <laughs> family. Like, oh God, you know, you say something, <laughs> dad, if I, if I do something wrong, you're going to have me whacked. Like. Yes, fuck off. <laughs> go, go run and hang out with your. He needs to get bullied at school more. I'd be like, all right, I just feel safer now. Like, whatever, yeah. fuck your past. Like, yeah, my dad's an ex mob like assassin. Like, yeah. I'm totally good for the rest of my life. Nobody would fuck <laughs> with you. You know what I mean? That's why like, I like that scene uh, when the son is questioning the dad after he ran home uh, because he thought that the mob was going to kill the family um, when he's mm-hmm. in the diner in the morning, and the son's like, "So you ran home." Because you wanted to save us. He's like, <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> like, yeah. He's like, fucking uh, no, he just ran you, back here. What are we going to do if they were here? Well, we deal with it. He's, like, and he's, again, he's right. so reserved. And that's, that's just another thing about Vigo is he's like, he can, he can really just play this very mundane guy who's also a brutal assassin. Um, yep, and, yeah. and I think the best comparison is he basically goes from being Bob from Bob's Burgers to John Wick. And I thought that was just a very well done transition. Don't you guys? Yeah, maybe. I mean, yeah. yeah, it works. Yeah, hey, there you go. <laughs> Hi, my name's That's Tom it. Stahl. Now I'm Joey Cusack. <laughs> So, um, I can't do a Bob's Burgers. I can't. I don't watch enough of the show. So, uh, so overall, I think that uh, this was definitely a very well done film. Um, I think at first, after I finished watching, I was like, "All right, that was a redemption story. Had some blood and guts in there." But then, when I really thought about it, I'm like, "Okay, everybody was really solid, solid in this film." Viggo Mortensen plays like three different people, and he, he they really do go into detail about kind of like how he became Tom Stahl and then when it's exposed he he really just does everything he can to just keep his family safe and stuff and even then still try to stay anonymous or stay Tom Stahl um so it was a really interesting story on top of just the regular redemption story him being a badass that's able to assassinate people fucking bust their noses in and shit I'm still not a big body horror guy but but I'm sure down the road I will have to watch these films, The Fly and Videodrome and all that. So I gave this a, I'm going to go four and a half out of five. I think it was a very solid movie with a few little nitpicks in there. But overall, I mean, it was a really good time. It's only an hour and like 40 something minutes. It it really does fly by and there's a lot in there that's going to entertain you. So pretty solid. Yeah. Thing. For sure, yeah, totally, totally from mainstream boy. This was my second time watch, and it was it was just nice being able to revisit it. Um, I think it's my gonna be my second favorite Cronenberg movie. Like The Fly was just a fantastic film experience, so I definitely recommend that one to you, John. Um, okay. Even if you don't like the body horror, the stories the story is really good and it's really cool. Um, but all the characters in this are well. Vigo and his wife and the Ed Harris character and whatnot were all great. Um, and then the little glimpses of body horror that came in was nice because it just reminded you, oh, Cronenberg's behind the camera. So that's nice as well. So I think I'm just going to maintain my original score from the first time as a four out of five. Definitely very solid. It was a good outing from Cronenberg and Vigo Mortensen being a badass as ever. Yeah, 100%. This is 
honestly kind of a near perfect film for me the only real nitpick that i have is something that we've already talked about it's the subplot with the sun uh and even on the rewatch it's it's silly <laughs> like it kind of is just mm-hmm. kind of it's silly it's a baseball game it's, it's a gym class baseball game calm down place <laughs> yeah so but mad that little nitpick in an otherwise like fantastic movie i really liked how much Cronenberg was trying to do something different while also kind of paying homage to what he's known for and what he does best. Uh, I think he gives, I'm sorry, I think he brings out some great performances from these guys. And it's one of the more underrated David Cronenberg films. If you haven't seen it, I think you definitely need to check it out. Uh, It's a four and a half out of five for me as well. This is an awesome movie. I really like it. All right, well, yeah, that's cool. a history of violence. That is another film from my Blu-ray collection. So thank you for diving into my collection this week. But I believe the cycle goes to who this week? Back to Nate. Goes to Mainstream Boy. Uh, Mainstream oh, Boy's man, pick. Dude. And, and is- he put a lot of thought into this, people. Mm-hmm. He sat here for like five <laughs> minutes before this, and we just heard, hmm, no, Hmm. No. Oh no. Mm, no. 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 Ooh, oh, National oh, Treasure. No. Book of Secrets. <laughs> Instead, Thank we you. are going to do the three-hour and twenty-minute Blue is the warmest. No, I'm just kidding. I'm down. I have it on Blu-ray. I want to do a film that it took me a few watches to really fully appreciate it and consider it my favorite movie of one particular year. I will say that I do like sci-fi. I like films with Amy Adams, and I think we're going to be talking about Arrival. Oh, it's actually a movie I need that to rewatch this. Wanting to rewatch, yeah. I saw it in theaters with Nate. Uh, afterwards, we we're like, okay, yeah. yeah Have you seen good, it right? since theaters? <laughs> no, I've really? not seen it since theaters. Nate, you haven't seen it since theaters? No. All right, awesome. Nope. Then I'm glad that we can revisit this because I've seen it like two or three times since theaters. Um, I remember the audio and the visuals just being like top notch. Like the scene where they're flying in and you see the ship. Yeah, and the the like the fog is coming over the mountains and stuff. It's like, ooh, Denis Villeneuve. Did you just grab that right off your shelf? You must have reorganized. There's no way you found that that quickly. Nate came over last Halloween (laughs) and he alphabetized my Blu-ray collection. There you go, man. Yeah, that's easy to find then. Uh, Be curious to check this one out. Yeah, I I love the movie, so I I can't wait to plastic wrap break this one down. It'll be exciting to talk about. So, oh look at that. Wow. Yep. That's awesome. For uh, That was episode five of Collector's Corner. You know, guys, I, I say this every single time, and it's not going to stop. I'm surprised we made it this far. But I appreciate you two coming on this journey with me. And all of you out there, all two of you that are listening, um, whether you're actually listening or if you just put us on in the background while you're making food or... Muffins? This isn't the only show that we do. John... What oh. else do we do for shows on this channel? Well, we do have another show that, and Nate, if you want to tune out, this is now this is the time. But it is a show where we do, already started. Okay. Well, we talk about new release films on a weekly basis. Comes out every single Monday. Where usually Spencer will join me. We'll talk about the new release films of the week, whether it comes out on Netflix, Quibi, Peacock, Paramount Plus, coming 10, out in March. Nine. That'll be exciting. Eight, it's mainstream boys. Seven. Six. Oh wow, he's done early. Okay, awesome, cool. I might tune in this time. Do we have any other shows like anything that like got us here in the first place? Anything good? 
Uh, we do have our <laughs> flagship show, as I guess some can call it. It is the Those Movie Dudes podcast show. We talk about three movies that we have never seen before that are voted on by you guys in our Instagram stories. They go out pretty much every other weekend. But yeah, we got movies this week. It's going to be interesting. We got Eye Origins, Lost in Translation, and King Kong from 1933. So come mm, join we'll us this weekend, tonight, by the way. <laughs> February 13th. And uh, yeah, come see what we thought of those films. Beautiful, beautiful. I'm excited for that episode because I've watched two of the three. I'm very excited to talk about them. So that will be uh, coming out February 13th, as Spencer said. Um, but that is it for us today from uh, those movie dudes. So I would like to thank you personally. And I hope you all have a fantastic evening or day or morning. I don't know when you're listening to this, but whenever you guys want. But uh, yeah. That's it. Toodles for my boy. Stay physical. Let's get physical.